So uh, before we get into it uh, this week, we'd like to uh, first take a moment to have a little moment of silence for uh, a great American hero, a great, a true resistor, uh, a man who really, he did all he could in an attempt to stop and try and win the most important election of his lifetime. He was the only white boy who did it. He was he was one of the craziest white boys to do it. And of course, we are talking about none other than Walter Mondale. Rest in peace to former Vice President Walter Mondale, who, uh, you know... Got absolutely blown the fuck out by he, Ronald Reagan. But, but you know what? Nobody shuts out the Mondale, baby. 359 to 3... It's true. He won DC. Wasn't that, wasn't that, yeah, that was like more of a blowout than uh, FDR's election, right? I, I don't know. Because I think Hoover got like two or three states, whereas, yeah, Reagan literally just won the country. Yeah. I think Mondale yeah. won his home state of Minnesota and he won DC. Yeah. Now, the popular vote but, was like um, a lot closer, obviously, but. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, we're not going to spend any time on that. Um,. So we have a, a hefty episode for you today. We're gonna start with some. We we got like we've been running a little a little thin on episodes lately, but we are really gonna sort of jump into it here because we do have a lot to cover. I mean, it's been a bit of yeah. a crazy news week, but now that um, at least I'm done with school, I don't know where you're at. On I that, have but, um... an exam tomorrow, and then I'm done. Oh, nice. So yeah, we're hopefully um, we might even uh, be the craziest white boys who ever did it and go back to our bi-weekly schedule how we want to do special we might, we might see we might see um, yeah. um it could get bigger it could magically go <laughs> we don't know we folks we don't know we'll never know so yeah so we're gonna start with uh two minutes of some news from peru um right specifically um one I man's want, baby is another about... man's soup i mean he just this guy um pedro castillo who first became notable in the u.s because they the peruvian news network that was reporting on the election polls didn't have a picture of the guy when he went on to like lead well the he polls. no because so so peru has two tiers of elections most south american countries as well as like france do this and so essentially you have a massive field um and if nobody wins a majority of of the votes uh and because you have a large field they don't then you go on to a second round of voting uh, between the top two candidates. And so that's where you usually get coalitions forming and whatever. So this is for president. So uh, Castillo came out of absolutely nowhere uh, to win the first round of voting uh, against Keiko Fujimori, who is the daughter of jailed former dictator of Peru, Fujimori, um, who, uh, pretty brutal neoliberal US-backed. Uh, she is actually herself currently under a illegal investigation for uh, fraud. Uh, so she had to get a I special mean, court order to her. allow her to leave the capital city of Peru, Lima, so that she could go campaign in the countryside. Um, that rocks. Which is, that, like, yeah. I love, I've been, um, you know, listening to, uh, you know, th we're not we're not sponsored, by the way, by, by Blowback. I just want to say, hey, been listening. We could be. We could free. be. That would be really cool. We could partner. Brendan, please. Brendan. Hit me up. Anyway, but I was listening to it, and yeah, listening to, like, how they just kind of said, yeah, no more no more elections <laughs> when Batista left and then came back, and he realized, wait, I can't really win this. Yeah. Um, 
So it, it, I just, it, it rocks seeing, yeah, like, can I please leave the capital city so that I can campaign? And But it's really funny because, like, Castillo, I, there's a lot of excitement about Castillo, um, because he is, uh, well, he's openly affiliated with the Peruvian communist. But of course, if you remember the Peruvian communists, I don't know if you do, Declan, they're, um... I don't. I, I guess I'm a bad They're called the Shining them, Path. And they are notable for, um... being particularly brutal. So they're Maoists who led a protracted guerrilla war and terror campaign in the Peruvian wilderness and countryside. Um, notably, at one point, they entered a uh, village and boiled babies in hot water. Um... And so Castillo's linked to them. He is also, uh, well, his social views are not up to snuff. We'll say that. Uh, on the other side, uh, you've got in in typical Maoist fashion, he's like really into workers' liberation at the expense of pretty much everything else that you would consider yeah. progressive. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, you've got Keiko Fujimori, who is the yeah daughter of the former dictator of Peru, who's currently in jail who sterilized 200,000 women by force for being minorities and poor. Um, her, one of her big platforms is, I will let my dad out of prison. Um, she also that, that opposes uh, the existence of transgender people and gay marriage and things like that. So, yeah. Uh, funny story. But, um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that, um, that Pedro has promised to do was expel the DEA and U.S. military if elected, which, for his sake, I hope that, you know, the, the U.S. is all right with that. Because, you know, I, I've obviously, I've never met Pedro, but um, he seems like a pretty uh, stand-up guy. And so I would really, it would really hate for, uh, you know, him to find some sort of, incendiary device in his car and perhaps perhaps there is an age a agent that slept with him and then attempted to assassinate oh, him Jesus. or maybe they tried to sabotage his scuba gear and then or put a bomb in a clam you can just run through the list of failed cia fidel castro assassination I, I was reading this morning just about hope that how they don't do that since everything's him. heating up in northern ireland the ira got caught trying to uh kill the three-year-old daughter of a police officer things are great Anyways. Things are great. Um, I don't know what's going on with my camera, by the way, Declan. I'm sorry about that. Um, That's all right. So the so we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to start our episode and, and talk about things in earnest. Um, so what do we have for you today? We're gonna, obviously going to talk about uh, yesterday's court ruling, which uh, sentenced uh, Derek Chauvin, who well, murdered George Floyd. Convicted. Convicted Chauvin. Yeah, oh, sorry, not sentenced. Sentenced in, in, in he's, eight he's weeks. He's been convicted. It convicted uh, Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, of all of his all counts uh, that he was charged with. We're going to talk about some lighter news. Um, an absolutely funny incident uh, in Europe uh, to do with, with football there. Uh, we're going to talk about, speaking of Europe, we're going to talk about Russia uh, and the ongoing joke of an opposition movement there. Yeah. Um, we're gonna. We're also gonna talk about um, new little segment we're gonna call Wonk Corner, I think, um, where you know we we say that we're Canadian um, university students, and so we're actually going to dedicate one section of the show to the kind of thing that other podcasts would dedicate a whole episode to. 
so this week we're going to be talking about the new budget and sort of what that means um, and, and our take on some of the interesting spending in there. Um, and then finally, we're going to, I guess, dive into the current Israel Iran. Yeah, there was an nuclear... explosion in Jerusalem uh, a few hours ago, maybe one hour ago, two hours ago, uh, as of recording this episode on the 21st of April. And we are going to talk about that. Um, so it's a packed episode, so I think we're just going to get right into it. Um, so, yeah, I think you will all know, if you're listening to this sort of contemporarily, that uh, yesterday, Derek Chauvin, or probably two days ago for you, Derek Chauvin was convicted of, um, a, you know, a count of second-degree murder, count of manslaughter, and assault. Um, and the murder of George Floyd, um, so... You know that was a good thing uh yeah i mean it's it's clear to see that none of this the the trial would not you wouldn't have been convicted on all three counts if people hadn't spent close to the last year burning shit yeah down oh yeah no like I, and protesting and he at the end of the day there are many case like there are many cases almost identical to george floyd that go well not unpunished mm-hmm. But the the cop will go to trial. They'll say, I feared for my life. They'll say mm-hmm. they had a weapon. The court will take them at their at face value. The media will take them at face value. And then they get added to a yeah. list. I, I do, it's an um, insane system. I, I, I saw two things that were absolutely shocking to me. Uh, one was the original press release that the police made, the Minneapolis police made before the video came out. Which basically mm-hmm. just said, you know, we got calls about a guy who was under the influence. We found him on the hood of his car. He resisted arrest. Uh, and then he died of respiratory failure while in police custody. Um, and that was the official story until the video came out. Um, yeah. I also saw that, that... very well could have... And that would have been... That would have flown in court. That would have been the that official have, testimony. That, well, they, the video that wouldn't, they wouldn't have even, even been to court. Remember... He was not the first person who Chauvin killed. And the second thing I saw, which was horrifying, is that Chauvin is only the sixth person killed, uh, sorry, not killed, convicted, uh, despite 15,000 police killings in the U.S. uh, since 2000. But I think, like, that is why you should always film cops. Film cops. No matter what what they tell you, you you stay out of their way, obviously. You don't get hurt. You don't. Yeah, but no matter what a cop tells you, it is 100% legal to film them. If they are in public, if they are not on their own private property, not on duty, you are allowed to film a cop. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I saw, which I really hated, I want to get your take on this, was this idea that, you know, justice, like people were like, oh, we got justice for George Floyd. So we didn't get fucking justice for shit. I don't, it wasn't, it wasn't justice because... It can still happen. Yeah, again. like this was accountability for sure. It's a great thing he this was convicted. This was yeah, as as overused of word as that is. Yeah, it's it's accountability for a murderer. Yeah. It's a murderer getting convicted for murder. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't. Derek Chauvin being convicted doesn't undo. It, first of all, obviously, it, George Floyd is still dead. Yeah, and it does not. It doesn't change the no, system. No, justice is this never happening again. Yeah. And 
And Speaking of, no, but we didn't even get to celebrate for three fucking minutes. Because, yeah, minutes after uh, Joven is convicted, uh, a police officer shoots and kills a 15-year-old or 16-year-old girl, there's some confusion about that, named Makia Bryant, um, in Ohio. So, there's been a lot of discourse about this one, and there's been, very quickly, an attempt to, I guess in a sense, probably by conservatives to try and justify the one bad apple, uh, and liberals an attempt to uh, pretend that everything's actually better now, um, blame her for her own death. Keep in mind, this is a minor. Um, because the the video basically shows, the, the body cam basically shows that she had a knife and she was running towards another person and then the cop shot her. And she died. 16-year-old. Um, but there's some interesting tidbits of information that I have here in front of me. Uh, first of all, she was the one who called the police. She was being threatened by other people. They showed up to her house. She called the police. And then when she confronted those people, the police showed up and they killed her. Second thing is that in the state of Ohio, there's this thing called stand your ground law, which means that self-defense, even offensive self-defense. You may remember this from uh, a certain controversial case in Florida. Yes, where a certain this white was man the... was uh, acquitted for killing a black teen. So Florida also has standard ground laws, and George Zimmerman was, you know, he was being tried for the murder of Trayvon Martin, and his defense, his legal defense was standard ground. Yeah, I thought my life was in danger. Because according, according to the standard ground law, if someone comes into your property, you are Not allowed even on to your shoot property. Them. Or yeah, you're you're allowed to defend your property, even like offensively. Mm -hmm. If you believe, and you have to justify that you're, you believe that you're, you were in danger, and that your your property. Yeah, was in danger. and so even Which, when Trayvon Martin had skittles in his pocket, uh, all George Zimmerman had to say was, "Well, I thought it was a gun. I thought my life was in danger, so I killed him." And so, putting aside the fact that it's a law that values property over human mm -hmm. life, and you know, putting aside that it's a legal defense that lets you murder people to you know not have them take like. $500 worth of electronics, whatever you can carry. And put that aside and consider that George Zimmerman was able to not not only kill somebody, get arrested, go to court, and then be able to use that legal defense. Whereas in this case, Micaiah Bryant was just killed. Yeah, like so it was not even 12 she was, seconds. She, Watching, I, I was... I. I, I felt bad for doing it, but there was just so many people talking about it. I watched the I watched the body camera video, and it was 12 seconds between the officer getting out of the police car. He did not say a single word between him getting out of the police car and him shooting her dead. He did not try and engage her. He did not try and stop her physically. He didn't... Hey, and now we know that officers carry tasers, right? And he did not even you know, give her the decency of even pretending he was trying to tase her. He just killed her. Um, so these stand your ground laws, and, and he would have known because he was responding to the call that um, there was a young girl, a teenager, who had called because there were people coming onto her property to try and hurt her. So he would have known that the stand your ground laws apply, right? And he still just 
fucking shot her. Um, and then after that, well, she is lying dead on the ground, and her mother is sobbing over her daughter's dead body, and people show up and start filming the cops, saying, what the hell, you just killed a kid. What do they do? They start chanting, Blue Lives Matter, and they start laughing. Don't worry, guys. This is a system we can reform. We can reform this system, guys. Policing. We just need the, we just need the eight can't wait. Except, oh wait, they've almost all been implemented. Yeah. And this shit's still Yeah, happens. remember. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. There, there are people out there that recognize that there is a problem like whether or not they realize what systemic means but they recognize there's a systemic problem of racism in, in policing and they think that they can change that on the basis of individual training it's like it's like it, it is it, it's just like how fucking atomized we all are like you have no concept of changing things on a systemic level everything is just an individual failing if you're racist it's because you're a bad person it's actually insane to me as well. Like, George Floyd was killed after $12 million of training was invested into the Minneapolis Police Department. Minnesota's a blue state with a Democratic mayor. Yeah. Fucking. And so is Chicago. So is Chicago. Lori, Lori Lightfoot, who we got to see her uh, her campaign use, quote, or sorry, talk about um how people are spreading rumors about her using quote QAnon style tactics which is one of the most probably i don't know if it counts as like being scary but like spreading information online is now QAnon style tactics and yeah, what is a QAnon you know this style is right tactic? after this is, but this is right after you know they've this is right after they've spent all that money and all that time, like, classifying QAnon as, like, a terror group or whatever, and, like, really cracking down on this. So it's like, oh, cool, if I, you know, make jokes about Andrew Cuomo being a vampire and him needing to move all those old, pe- the COVID patients into the nursing homes to satisfy the great, the dark one or whatever, Malak, like... As we like, the ice yeah, cream gods. like, then I can get ventilated by an NYPD hit squad. Yeah. Like, that's just a great future to look forward to. I think it's hilarious. Like, and again, look, whenever there's an increase in the security state, even if it's ostensibly to uh, stop the right, you know who gets put up against the wall first? It's the left. It's the left. It's minorities. Um, Yeah, well, the the specific thing that I think was funny was that when Lori Lightfoot... yeah, like, COINTELPRO tactics were used, you know, initially at... I believe against the KKK and then to sort of fragment them and make them less of a national force. And then they went right around and used it on like, yeah, the black Panthers. There's a whole movie about it. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 that there's that also, um, one thing I thought was funny is that Lori Lightfoot is gay or lesbian or bisexual or whatever. Right. And so she was like, all criticism of me is homophobic. So I will say right now as a, yeah, Malcolm, do you want to take the reins yeah, on this Yeah, as one? a queer person, okay, as a person with a right to use a few slurs. <laughs> Lori Lightfoot, you're fucking gay. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you, man. You're just, you're gay. <laughs> and I don't like you. And you're bad, and you should resign. And you're authoritarian. And if that makes me self-hating, God, I am such a... 
<laughs> Anyways. I don't know if I should bleep that in the episode or not. You can, I, I, you can, I'm, you can. Me, me leaving that in as the editor puts me in a compromising it's position. It's right at 20 minutes. You can bleep that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put that. Okay. <laughs> I will type in the Discord slur at but, 20 minutes. Man, we're really uh, taking the come down <laughs> influence on. Jesus. Look, I have but a right anyway, to use it. The... The, the other thing that I think just kind of drove me insane about today was um, Nancy Pelosi's speech um, <laughs> fucking thanking George Floyd for sacrificing <clears throat> thank you George Floyd for sacrificing your life for justice because of you and because of thousands millions of people around the world who came out for justice your name will always be synonymous for justice cool Demonic. Cool. Fucking vampire. Literally, like, he he didn't choose to be a yeah, martyr. Step one in being a martyr is, at, we're going to talk about another, like, an actual wannabe martyr later. Step one in being a martyr is buy actively choosing fucking... to die. I, like, he, you, he accidentally used a fake $20 bill and died for it. That's not being a martyr. Like, it's he begged for his life for nine minutes. He... He's not a martyr to a cause. He didn't intend. He, he didn't set out to die for the cause. It's very. The, like, it's very. Um, it's insane. It's very salafist of her. That's like very jihadist. <laughs> His idea was <laughs> like on. everybody Hold who on. dies is Nancy, is Nancy Pelosi becoming based. <laughs> Everybody who dies is a martyr. It's like that's like a that's like an any ideology bot post. Like she views J- jihadist Nancy Pelosi. The fact that she views, and it, it's genuinely disturbing to me because like people like you and me see and and you know lots of people on the left or in like these the actual people who actually campaign for racial justice, right? Like Black Lives Matter things like that. Which, by the way, she does not think Black Lives Matter. She doesn't. They saw what happened to George Floyd as a symptom of a broken system that needed to be fixed. Okay? What she has inadvertently revealed when she says, thank you for sacrificing yourself for justice or whatever, when nothing has been changed, is she is saying, thank you for helping us win that election. She is. She sees him as a political yeah. pawn. She sees his well, death yeah. as something that was convenient politically. She well, because, probably thought because when the then, protest because then they off, get to say, thank God, I can use that. Well, yeah. Because, again, you have to be some sort of narcissist to get into, a, like, to be in electoral politics. Mm. I don't know if I agree with that. I think, I think Lauren Ashcraft is the first ethical person to run for any elected office. Maybe. Uh, well, look, I think also um, one person who is uh, completely honest, who should probably be, like, less honest and less principled, who ran for elected office is Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Who just, like, yeah. Um, and Bernie. Well, yeah, but, like, Bernie, like Bernie, Bernie was honest dirtier. and he got blown out for uh, actually having good politics, whereas Tulsi Gabbard was like, today I will make myself a hero to the left. And then I will go on Steven Crowder and talk about how I'm transphobic. Yeah. Um, and then Steven Crowder will try and flirt with me to prove he's not gay. That's so cool. Dude, the... Steve, 
Steven Crowder smoking cigar. Like, he is the first guy to look uncool smoking a cigar, I think. He's the first white boy to ever do it. <laughs> he just looks like shit whenever he's smoking them. And like, he just, like... I think he has, like, a case, a slight case of Charlie Kirk face, where, like, his face is, like, too small for his head. Steven Crowder's gay. And it's just, like, a little... But the the video of him getting his shit clocked by, like, a striking oh, yeah. um, union worker is... It is... It hits better than crack it's for me, honestly. It's adrenochrome. <laughs> like, what I get from ice cream, I also get from watching... From Jenny's Fine Eyes, I also get yeah. from... Speaking of which, uh, yeah, use code JUNO for 25% off shipping. Uh, for, yeah, for 25% off and your first uh, order shipping free for uh, Jenny's Splendid Eyes. Yeah, um, use code Juno. prices might go down a little bit recently now that the Democrats have come to power. They can be able to kidnap more kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, like, if like I, I saw, and Nancy Pelosi's was not the only one. It was definitely one of the most horrendous. And, like, watching her give that little speech and, like, watching the faces of the people behind her was actually kind of funny after I watched it the first few times and I was just absolutely horrified. Um, oh, for sure. I think it was Mark Kelly who I saw just, like, being incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and that was funny. But, uh, yeah, like, these people do not let Democrats try and claim this moment, by the way, if you're American. Like, don't. Because, again... They're demons, folks. They're demons. George Floyd died in a blue state with a blue mare after $12 million of blue police reform. And Joe Biden has sped up and increased the amount of military equipment that's going to police. Um, and, uh, you know, what happened five minutes after Joven was convicted tells you exactly all you need to know about the idea of going after individuals in a broken system. So in some lighter yeah. news... Um, there is one victory that so we have this week. This this is incredible. That like reading about, I look. I knew, I knew the Brits loved their football. Okay, I knew it. I read. I forget what the book was called, but it was this book about how like this sort of identity of British people is like very closely tied to their town, which is in turn very closely tied to like their their, and team. their football club. Yeah, and so I knew it was a big deal. I knew the the Premier League is like, you know, I it's probably one of the best organized sports leagues in the world in terms of the tiers and everything yeah. and relegation and stuff. Which we'll explain in a second. It's interesting. But I I never really I never expected this. Yeah. This is this like this is this seems like the kind of story you'd hear from, like, the Victorian era. It's funny. So, I'm gonna... It's incredibly I'm funny. I'm gonna explain some context, I don't, and then we're gonna get I into don't exactly, like, I don't exactly... I don't 100% get yeah, it. Yeah, so I'll try and explain it. I hope you get it when I do. Because um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a f- football fan as well. Because, as far as I understand it, there's different tiers in the Premier League. Yeah, mm, sort of. Okay. So, in European football... It's very skill based. So the idea is essentially there's you can be promoted or relegated depending on your skill. So let's say yeah, you so have I'm... like the NHL and the AHL, right? And so every year the top teams in the AHL get promoted up to being in the NHL and the bottom teams in the NHL get relegated down to being in the AHL. So this is the way that um you know teams, you know, compete with each other. It makes it very competitive. It means that 
you know, this phenomenon that we get in North American sports where if you're not doing so great in a season, you'll, like, throw the last half of it so you can get good players in a draft. Like, you can't do that because they'll go to a lower-tier league. And that incentivizes the owners as well, right? Because then you get less money. Um, and so, uh, that, like, that's the way it works all the way across Europe. It works That's in, in Germany, Italy, Spain, France, everywhere. That's the way it works. And the very top tier, you can actually go and, and play against other European teams sometimes. And so, 16 teams, uh, including six British teams, some of the biggest ones, Manchester City, Man U, Arsenal, um, biggest and best, most famous, had, their owners had uh, decided to form, to break away from this whole system and form their own quote-unquote Super League, which would be just these 16 teams uh, from Britain, uh, from Italy, and from Spain. Um, Pretty much sniping all the the top, top teams. Yeah, it's sniping the top European to make, teams. It would, it would be like, well, I think it would be like if, if there was a league that came along in in hockey, because that's main, the sport that I mainly watch, and they picked out like the, you know, it's obviously not super comparable, but they picked out like the best NHL yeah, teams, yeah, like the Washington the best, Capitals, and and yeah, and then the best like KHL te- or like you know all the Russian and, the and like Swedes. those teams yeah. and put all those teams together and had them play against each other. But there's also the added thing of there's no risk of relegation in the Super League. Yeah. Um, like you're just you're just playing. Yeah. It's just those so games. it's very clearly a cash grab, like very like it's nakedly and openly a cash grab. Now there's a lot of money right. in football. It's like we will we will snipe the best teams and the best talent. It's like the it's like what the XFL tried to do. Mm, I don't really know the if the NFL XFL the tried to do that, but more make it a spectacle. Um, maybe the first time around it did, but the Dwayne the Rock Johnson version of the XFL that's now going to merge with the CFL, uh, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, not so much, but like, yeah, no, like it, it, it was openly a grab for money because it would just drain money. Like all of the international fans of, of football who were not, you know, who were not tied to their own city's club, um, would watch, would end up watching the Super League because of the highest quality. And so because this was very openly a cash grab, the backlash to it was absolutely incredible. So I just want to go on a little bit of a side note here. And I want to explain to you a little bit about how, especially because most of you guys are American, and so you're not going to understand, a little bit of how uh, the royal family works. And this will become apparent why I'm talking about this in a second. So the royal family uh, is the head of state of uh, 15 nations, uh, including Canada, where we're from, and uh, uh, the United Kingdom. And they function in the way... Like, they are a head of state and head of military, things like that. And so they have to be impartial. They have to represent every single citizen um, of their country, which means, you know, they don't take opinions on things. They don't get to vote, um, right? They don't even... They hardly even get to advise, even though the prime minister meets with them once a week. They hardly even get to give them advice on policy, just like personal actions and things like that, right? Right, because... It's it's carefully cultivated to not offend anyone. It's sort of... It's sort of like... There, you know, we joke about oh, we'll have ceremonial Republicans and ceremonial police officers, but these like they are the ceremonial monarchs. Yeah. They basically what they do is they get an allowance every year of a decent amount of money. Like it's it's a, it's a lot, um, and I think they they 
get paid, the entire family gets paid about 60 million pounds a year to go through all of them, and they generate and profit about 700 million pounds. So if you're British, because no other country actually pays for them, uh, you get about two pounds off your taxes every year because of that. Um, and uh, so yeah, they maintain all of these like castles that you can go visit, they do a lot of charity work, and they do not offend anyone. Right, and so the last time a, a monarch actually made a decision was in the early 1700s. Uh, they're purely constitutional, it's how they survived so long. In fact, it, they're supposed to be so impartial that Prince Charles, the guy who's going to be king in a few years, um, is he often gets in trouble for being an environmentalist. Right, like he goes to environmental conferences and stuff like that, and people are like, that is too political. And there might, there might have, yeah, there might happen to be like a labor MP there. Well, not even that. that but like, like he will go, for example, to like the World Economic Forum and s tell people like you are bad, or he will meet with Greta Thunberg. He did, um, and talk about things, right? And people criticize like that is too political. Um, something that is basically a nonpartisan issue that uh, we should help the environment. Like not even here's how we should, but like that we should. Um, he gets in trouble for that. Like this is how impartial the uh the family is supposed to be and so this is important this is a really important context to remember when i read you uh, a statement that came out um from kensington which is the uh the duke and duchess of cambridge that's william and kate so they're going to be william is next in line to be king after charles he will be king in like 20 years okay um and he says, now more than ever, we must protect the entire football community from the top level to the grassroots and the values of competition and fairness at its core. I share the concerns of fans about the proposed Super League and the damage it risks causing to the game we love. Which, so he broke those rules. Like, he straight up got involved in a political issue. Because it became a political issue because British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said, if these teams, if the British teams do not pull out, I am going to make a law making the Super League illegal. Which, I mean, I can just imagine, uh, you know, I've talked again on this pod before about how Boris Johnson looks like a Tory out of a 1930s political cartoon. Yeah. So I can just imagine him in like a fat cat, like like pinstripe suit and a top hat with his hair going everywhere, and he's losing his fucking mind over the Super League, but that it's, like, such a vivid image of him, like, sitting... I, I think now I would picture him may, maybe in some, like, silk pajamas. I feel like Boris... No, he's not. No, he's not. He he guy. wears uh, a f football shirts and underwear. You know how I know that? But he's just... Because there's this great video of when he announced his run for Tory leadership, a bunch of journalists showed up, uh, up outside his house at 5 a.m., and he came out of bed... <laughs> And, like, wandered out with, like, a tray of teacups to give them all tea. <laughs> so, but anyway, I'm just picturing him, like, yeah, okay, so he's sitting in, you know, his his chair, because he's the kind of guy to have a guy chair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's sitting in it, he's got a beer in his hand, and he's just feeling... He's frothing at the mouth. ...over the idea. He's, he's losing his mind over the idea of a Super League. And you know what? That is a sentiment that's probably reflected by at least 85% of, of Britain. This More, actually. It's about crosses part. This crosses party lines in Britain. Well, because you know who else came out against you it. You either are, you either are dead set against it, 
or you don't care. Yeah. Like, there's no one that's, like, pro-Super League in Britain, besides the people that stand to make billions. The Anglican Britain. Church also came out against it. <laughs> Which is just hilarious. And so, like, people got so pissed off. And so, um, Boris is like, I will make this illegal. Good lad, by the way. That was the right thing to do. And eventually all six British teams withdrew. I think Arsenal withdrew and one other team, which I'm forgetting, withdrew. And that sort of just started a cascade where the rest of the British teams withdrew from the Super League. Um, so in response to this, uh, Prince William says something. Uh, what does he say? Let me find it. Uh, I'm glad the united voice of football fans has been heard and listened to. It's now really important that we use this moment to secure the future health of the game at all levels. As president of the Football Association, I'm committed to playing my part in that work. Um, there are rumors that Prince William himself had a personal intervention with at least one team leader. But that, that's, that, that rumors is... abound, but that's completely unconfirmed and speculation. It would be awesome if it were true. But um, I think it's really funny. I think, I, I think I'm actually going to choose to believe that. I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm going to choose to believe that Prince... That... There was a very stern phone call. Can you imagine? Palace. You're just like some billionaire, right? And you're yeah, you're some like you're, you're some probably American. Well, no, no, no. To be well, honest. yeah, probably American. But you're not even a billionaire. You're like the sec. You're some secretary, right? You're like right. some manager. And yeah, no, no. Okay, so you're yeah, you're like the assistant to like you know like I know the company that runs Formula One, Liberty Media. They get a lot of shit from British fans about, you know, them trying to internationalize the sport, mm. which rocks because, you know, Bernie Eccleston before was just like, yeah, we're just going to market this to upper class British people. And if no one else likes it, that's Do F1 like horse bad. racing. Yeah. Well, that's that's what he wanted. He wanted it to be horse racing, but engineering. That's actually kind of interesting. Instead of like breeding horses. Yeah. But so when Liberty Media starts internationalizing it, obviously they get a lot of shit because Liberty is like a big sort of, I don't want to say like sports management company, but like they own a lot of sports mm. teams and American ones mostly. So imagine like being like a, you know, the assistant to like the CEO of a company like Liberty. And, you know, you get a call and it's a member of the British not, royal Not just family. a member. It's the guy who's going to be king. <laughs> it's the guy who's going to be king on the phone telling you, you cannot join that Super League. You have to get out of it right now. Or so help me God. Because the thing is, right, what we is, know. What do you do? Like, we know that they play no up and down their accents. Like, they play up and down their accents depending on who they're talking to. Like, I remember watching after Prince Philip died, uh, Prince Charles, like, his accent became so much more posh when he did, like, a little interview, of, like, six hours later, or a little statement to the press, mm -hmm. um, because he was sad, and so he wasn't paying attention to it, right? And so he obviously plays down his accent to talk to people, and so I imagine that William is, like, pissed off about this. He's like, I am British, I love my football, he's probably an Arsenal fan, you know, I... Uh, you know, and he's like, I'm going to talk to a billionaire, he's frothing at the mouth, too. And he he can't control his rage. Yeah, except except I'm picturing like a very a very ornate like golden um, upholstered chair mm. that he's sitting in. Whereas Boris, I I pictured just like Boris has a brown I, chair. I, probably yeah, or either like a brown or like a faded red chair. Like my um my my grandmother um, who moved from Britain in I think the the forties. Um, she had this really lovely old red chair. Mm. 
And so I'm just kind of picturing Boris would sit in that. And, oh, and he doesn't have an ornate no chair. To... William doesn't. I mean that as no disrespect to my my grandmother. She's lovely. She would absolutely never sit in a chair that Boris Johnson mm. had never been near. She was a socialist. Um, but I'm just picturing, yeah, Prince Charles sitting in like a, not like an ornate chair, but like a, definitely like a fancy chair. No, Prince chair. William actually has something pretty close to a gamer chair. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, hell He's got, yeah. Like, it's sort of like an office swivel chair, but it's like it's got like all the back support and stuff like that. Yeah. Right, so he's sitting he's in that. Sitting in a and he's like, he's not, but he's not like frothing in the mouth in the same way Boris would. Like, Boris is frothing in the way that, like, you know, someone who just graduated Eton and thinks that they're the shit would. And, like, uh, like oh, fuck you. Like, but Charles just has this, like, you can't join that league. You can't league. join the league. You can't join the league. He's like, uh, you absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen. It's just, he's just very severe. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, getting upset he's just very severe and very clear that there's no way that you know arsenal or whatever can join the league mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's funny as hell and so can you imagine you're just that poor assistant and like this guy with the poshest accent you've ever heard is just like you can't do it you just you can't do it um i i think that that's just a really funny thing but also hey it's unity okay look we brought together who do we bring together to cock some billions. This is this is the real European. Like for a country that just left the European Union, they're really fucking good at building coalitions. Yeah, like we bring together, we brought together like Boris Johnson. We brought together the Tory Party, the royal family, the Anglican Church, lower class Britain, middle class Britain, everybody except for upper class Britain. Really, Emmanuel Macron, um, the German Angela Merkel, all to be like this socks dog. Like this is this is bad. You gotta stop. And they did. Well, the British ones did at least. I imagine this. Super you know, this still is look. Europe. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for a, like a, a, not like a press release, but like an op-ed written by someone who like definitely works for a sports management company, trying to pin this as cancel culture. I can't believe I'm I so got canceled by the second in line to the throne. Getting getting canceled by the royal fa i'm so fucking ready for that op -ed. it's so funny yeah i will do a dramatic reading of i that cannot wait this is going to be like the paradigm shift that happened in norway where like left-wing working class people become like pro-monarchy and then like ab like rich people become anti-monarchy and yeah. become republicans it's gonna happen and i'm gonna be so happy or like it. in spain sorry or like in spain well not so much in spain anymore like yeah that happened in the dictatorship Right. Yeah. That's yeah. What I but mean. now like, the guy who brought the king who brought down the dictatorship had to flee the country because of corruption scandal, and everyone hates his son. So, you know, <laughs> we hate. But yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna be like Norway. It's but except instead of our resistance to fascism, it's gonna be football that leads to the monarchy becoming a socialist symbol. Um, by the way, happy birthday uh, to the queen. So, um, third thing we've got in our docket today, Russia. Um. There were some protests today. Yeah, so remember that guy who got owned by the Russian security forces? Well, he didn't get owned. Um, that was because the whole thing. he was. <laughs> yeah, but he was he was the uh, the opposition leader, um, sort of like a a less cool Andrea Horvath. Mm. Um, and yeah, he's so Navalny um, famously has ties to many russian far-right groups including a guy who um, named his kid the equivalent of johnny swastika by the way pretty much what what we're getting at here is navalny is no matter what the media tells you not a 
anti-Russia, like an anti-Putin hero. Navalny is not the... Or no, you know what it was? He ran a, a campaign ad where he was like, oh, there's many ways to deal with cockroaches. You can use like a newspaper, a, a slipper, and then like the lights go out and you, or a guy rushes him like wearing a like a, a turban and yelling at him in Arabic. And then the lights cut out and you hear gunshots. And then he's like, but I like to use this gun to kill cockroaches. Yeah. So he um, is pro so EU. This is the kind of guy that we're yeah, dealing. Yeah, he's pro with. EU, not because the EU is a symbol, like it's a symbol of you know Western liberal democracy and you know freedom. He's pro EU because right now Russia is part of a customs union with um, Belarus and Central Asian nations, uh, aka well apart from Belarus, like Belarus and majority Muslim nations. He wants out of that. He wants to join uh, the EU because it's white and majority Christian. Um, and yeah, he has uh, a political ally who named his son. Um, I'm forgetting what I, I don't know Russian, right? But it was there's like this symbol that's almost like a Slavic swastika, um, and he named him. I'm just looking it up. Uh, Slavic paganism swastika, and he so one of Navalny's political allies um, is named something like Vlad Kolovrat, which is the equivalent of naming your kid Johnny Swastika, um, which I think is really funny. Uh, Navalny is racist. He denied the Holocaust, by the way. If you look up um, Navalny Holocaust denier, you will find a bunch of articles being like, no, Navalny did not deny the Holocaust. We asked him if he denied the Holocaust, and one of his campaign aides told us he didn't. (laughs) I mean, that's that, like, the, it's so funny how Snopes went from like, no, this obscure actor didn't die by, you know, falling into a manhole. No, Marilyn like, Manson did not the remove official, his cage. Yeah, the, to like the official way that you can just go online and get gaslit by media yeah. companies. Like Snopes fact checking is a, a wing of the Democratic Party, which is very funny. Um, so, yeah, Navalny... They tried to poison him. Russia tried to poison him when he was in Germany. Um, or on a plane. I don't think he was in Germany. He was went to Germany because he was in a coma. He recovered, went back to Russia, was arrested for skipping bail for something a while ago. He's put in prison, sentenced to two years. Um, oh, yep. He fucking still oh. had, he had back and leg pain. And instead of allowing him access to his own private doctor, they're like, no, you're getting prison doctors because you're in prison. Um... And so he you went know, on like a hunger you strike. You're in prison. And because of his hunger strike, which he's been on for, I think, about three weeks at this point, he's dying. Um, and apparently they're force-feeding him now. Um, and so because he's very close to death, or at least his people are saying he's very close to death, uh, there are supposed to be huge protests. First of all, I think it's very funny that they're like, oh, you gotta not, don't let Navalny die when Navalny is literally just, like, killing himself. Like, yeah, just eat food. I mean the thing, <laughs> like, why doesn't he just eat food? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean Look, this I was on completely hunger... unironically. No, but like, you should be you protest, like, don't protest. Oh, save Navalny. That's not the point. You protest after he dies. Yeah, that rocks. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, they're like protesting like outside of it. <laughs> they're like not protesting to the guards or anything or to the government. They're protesting to Navalny for him to <laughs> eat, eat so that he can like eat. be. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, they're like, oh, we're gonna have these big protests, 200,000 people are gonna show up, 
how many people did show up? About 6,000. In Moscow, about 6,000 people showed up. You yeah. know, the capital of the Russian Federation, a city of about 12 million people. You got about 6,000. Um, I mean, I yeah, we've seen more here for fucking yeah, education. Yeah, I have been to like... bigger protests for sex education. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Did we have, did we meet up no, with we that didn't. one? I think I went there. I, I have seen you at I think we a met up, protest. But we were definitely both there. Like, we were just there, I think, with different groups yeah, of people. Yeah, and again, there were oh, too many people there. I don't think I would have seen you. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's... Hell, there was, like, more for, like, the four different climate justice mm-hmm. protests. Like the, like, the ones that they ran, like, back-to-back, weekend, like, Friday-to-Friday. Friday. Yeah, whereas if Justin the Trudeau... The lowest attendance If Justin one, Trudeau put Aaron O'Toole in prison and he was dying, we would get a lot up. more than 6,000 people <laughs> protesting. Yeah. He, and that's Aaron O'Toole. I hate like, him. he's not... Right. But... No one cares about Navalny. Like, nobody cares. Like, he also fucking sucks. If you're getting 0.05% of your capital's population protesting for your supposed main opposition figure when he is literally being murdered by the state... Yeah. Like, it's just loser. Like, I... I this man wants to be a martyr so bad. And, like, you can see yeah. it. I, I think I sent you a video earlier today about how they're basically just, like, replacing him with his girlfriend in the movement. Oh, and so yeah. I think that the idea is that he's going to die and she's going to take over. And she's going to keep doing Holocaust. Yeah, denial. she's going to keep doing Holocaust. That's what you're saying. It's sort of like how um, after Lenin died, his wife was like, tried to shape the direction of the party and was like a big authoritative really? voice for a while. Yeah, Kupskaya. Yeah, I mean, there are all these letters where her, Lenin was like, hey, so Trotsky sucks. I don't think he should become a uh, party leader, but Stalin also really sucks and he shouldn't become party leader. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video of Boris Johnson when he was mayor of London saying very nice in the Borat voice. Oh, fuck yeah. That's so I also cool. saw another video of him. He's like, look, I, I just wish his politics weren't so shitty because I love him. Like, I love him. He's so funny. He He's literally like the only guy funnier than Trump. No, no. Yeah, I, I think no he's funnier way. than Trump. True. Boris Johnson would never do the fucking mini mic CPAC thing. He would never do the mini mic CPAC me? thing. He would never you know do the mini mic do? thing. He would never do. He would never do the um, wettest we've ever seen in, in terms of water. I will. There's, I will send you a video. Boris is. Boris might be consistently more funny, but he will never top Trump's. He highs. will never top Trump's highs, but he's consistently very funny. I remember seeing a very funny video of him when he was running for Tory leader, and he, the guy asked him what he did for fun. And he didn't know, and so he just made up some bullshit story about how he takes, like, milk cartons and he paints them to look like little buses. Does Brexit make my passport expire? No. No. But it does mean you're entitled to a beautiful new blue passport. Passport. <laughs> I love him. So funny. Yeah, more. I, I think I'm with you on that. Then. Yeah, he's more consistently funny, but, like, Trump, like... Staring, staring into the eclipse. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> or the orb? I forgot about the orb. He has he has the shades on and he takes them off and looks straight up at it. <laughs> oh yeah, and just like the way he stood. Oh my god, I. I... The way that he always leaned over when he when he walked in front of the queen, like oh my god, oh I forgot about that. Everyone was like so mad the, at him. The mini the mini Mike CPAC speech just always 
kills me. I think. Look, I've. We need to only give him Rosie TikTok. O'Donnell. We need to give him TikTok. I'm, yeah, like, no, I'm, we, we I'm do. We gotta give him TikTok. If if we're not gonna give him Twitter because his Twitter's taken too seriously, what fucking QAnon guy is gonna take TikTok seriously? They're gonna think it's some deep fake. So just let Trump on there to talk about how he thinks. Um, the weekend is very brave for resisting the corrupt Grammys and how Phoebe Bridgers should have received at least one Grammy. Well, she should have received I, at least four. Let's be real. Right. But I think, I think Trump would have some, like if we could just revert his brain back to like 2013 Trump, like the, the, the tweet that he made, i um, wishing all the, the haters and losers a nice nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just revert him to that brain and just, like, let him riff on TikTok all the time. No, 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 you can't because you gotta gotta let him get political. Because people get so mad. Yeah, I don't know. People get so mad. Okay, we gotta move on, Uh, just timing-wise. We're gonna gonna move into the wonk corner. This is gonna be a quick Um, wonk corner, but this will sort of expose you what it's gonna be like. So, new budget's out. Big deficit, um, which if you see anyone... um, if you see anyone complaining about how big the deficit is, you can just uh, go ahead and report them to the uh, the Juno Beach uh, Future Multi Generational Punishment uh, Forum, yeah. where we will uh, be making lists of prominent figures and their family members to send to prison once we take power uh, in Roblox. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can't say in Minecraft anymore. We, yeah, so so. Um, Quick thing before we dive into one corner, the uh, the phrase in Minecraft has now been pegged by the FBI as like a a way for people to get away with like making death threats so you know in minecraft has been burned but i think if we just say in roblox or just in the video game i th- i think we can still get i think away so with making yeah so threats. um i guess i guess anyway, hassan is gonna um, get canceled now for saying america deserved 9-11 in minecraft fuck it, fuck it i'm saying it. um so uh new budget uh, if this budget fails in the House of Commons, the government will fall probably, and there will be an election. If it passes, then the government will. Well, we might have an election in the fall. Um, so thirty billion dollars over five years, and eight point three billion dollars uh, per year after that to uh, create and sustain a national childcare program. Uh, the goal is a ten dollar a day childcare service by the twenty twenty five to twenty twenty six. This is objectively a good thing, and is why I hate this. That's good. Look, uni- like universal childcare is one of those sort of things that the NDP has seen as a hill to die on when it's really part of a larger social safety net they should be pushing for. But it's sort of in line with like pharmacare is like I'm never going to be mad about a party that's instituting pharmacare or like you know childcare. It's just like that shouldn't be you shooting like that shouldn't you shouldn't be shooting for the moon with that well but the thing is that the thing that makes me really mad is that the last time so the liberals had a minority government in i think 2005 and in their budget they actually had something to make free childcare, universal um but the ndp thought they could stand to gain an election and so they teamed up with the conservatives to shoot down that budget even though free childcare was also on their platform and the liberals lost that election to the conservatives, and then well, they didn't get yeah, it. Well, yeah, it's like the the NDP win when they run on their own, and they lose when they try and coalition. Well, but it's not even that they tried to coalition; it's that they brought down the government. Right, or when they when they try and electioneer or like shop yeah. around and try and you know they work best as a fuck you. This is what we're doing. Third, yeah, party. like my they problem with Jack Layton is that even though 
national childcare is objectively a good thing, he decided, you know what, instead of getting that, we're going to try and be a political party rather than something that just fights for what's right. And even though the Liberal right. Party is doing what's right, I we can stand to gain, so we're going to They, them. by being a third party, there's they can leverage a lot of the hatred that people have for both the Liberal and Conservative Party. I mean, it would be the same thing in the U.S. if, if their electoral system actually allowed for a third yeah. party. But, um, you know, I think the NDP would be way better suited to use its position as hey guys we're not Aaron O'Toole and we're not Trudeau we're gonna make your lives better you know and it, it really just they would have to run a, you know enfranchisement programs to get people to go out and pull vote I mean fuck I'm I know in the provincial election I'm gonna work my ass off to get Doug Ford mm -hmm. out but if they if they fuck this up and Doug and Doug Ford wins re-election, or if the Liberals manage to claw it back, oh, they will. They're polling better. I'm I'm not fucking voting NDP. I'm I'll I'm going out. I'm when they when the election gets called, I'll register. I'll do everything I have to do. I will canvas, pull vote, work phones, fucking whatever I have to do to get my MPP elected. And if the NDP blow it, that might just be it. I might just register as a liberal. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. Like, at that, at that point. Well, I think, well, because the thing is, though, it's that, like, well, first of all, Stephen Del Duca is just a massive fucking dweeb, and nobody yeah. knows who he is. And so the liberals are having a bit of a polling thing where, like, they are ahead in the polls of the NDP because people are thinking liberal versus NDP, whereas if you say Stephen Del Duca versus Andrea Horvath, then the NDP might do a bit better. So I think it's... Mm -hmm. It's too close to call at this point. I don't know what's going to happen. But anyway, so yeah, childcare, good. Uh, $17.6 uh, billion for green recovery to conserve 25% of lands and oceans by 2025. And put, sorry, Canada on course to exceed climate change targets by cutting emissions to 36% below 2005 levels by 2030. It's a bit too slow, but I, I think that's still a good step. Um, here's the biggie. Deficit at $354.2 billion in 2020 to 2021. And $154.7 billion in 2021 to 2022, expected to gradually decline to $30.7 billion in 2025 to 2026, or approximately 1% of the GDP. Right. So, th look, this is, I, I hate myself for using this, but it's a once-in-a-generation crisis. Yeah. And regardless, this is when you're supposed to deficit yeah. spend. This is when you're supposed to open up the fucking checkbook and keep people alive. Now... <laughs> but here's the consequence, right? Like, our and I'm not, I, I, you're right, but there is a consequence, yeah. and that is our debt to GDP ratio is going to above fifty percent by twenty twenty five to twenty twenty six. It should fall to forty nine point two percent, but still, that's bad. right. That's not good. It's bad. It's really bad. But the the economy is going to fucking suck. Yeah, anyway. of course, it's not going to like that. The reality is, we like COVID. And all you know, and us pulling out of um, you know ramping down our oil sands production, it means that yeah, our economy is going to take a hit. Well, they say that they're going to put in a new fifteen dollar minimum wage, uh, and there's going to be uh, a million new jobs created by the end of the year. Yeah, and 
a new tax of 10 to 20 percent for luxury cars and aircraft worth more than 100k and luxury boats over a quarter of a million which is like kind of odd i think there are a lot of cars more than 100k though you you yeah, tell me but... so i i like 100k is i mean it is kind of like a it's not exactly like a cutoff but yeah i think it's like a good place to start that extra tax yeah. at because you know you're not buying a, a beater that you need mm-hmm. you know to commute to work for 100k for 100k yeah. you're, that's you're buying a that's second either car you mode, s- yeah. well it's either you're buying a second car or you're buying something flashy yeah. well right? it's like gonna you, have to be flashy you, but i'm saying like any car that you get at 100k you can get for 40k that will serve the same i think nobody who buys a car for 100k can afford only one car at 100k yeah right um so no that's good um one thing that's bad no promise of funding to implement a national pharmacare program uh right so it's so it's a good thing that the federal ndp has been um you know calling on justin trudeau to implement the the hey man could you do this please again that is i think that is my issue with the NDP is that they don't shoot high enough. So why don't they say right? like they don't... we will join a coalition government with you so you can govern forever? We will not pull out if you do this, 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 and this. We'll present you yeah, one small we'll demand We'll give you a list year. of demands. We will say, look, do this for us, and we will yeah, we'll, we, we will set you guys up for a dynastic rule. And fuck with us, and we'll, we'll just not support and that's you. good for uh, Freeland because if Singh is deputy prime minister, then she's not deputy prime minister anymore. So Trudeau gets her mm-hmm. out of the way, uh, and that's good for us because then we don't have a Nazi sympathizer in our deputy prime minister. Yeah. Um. So two hundred thirty-six point two million dollars over five years, and thirty-three point five million dollars per year afterwards for the departments of national defense and veterans affairs to eliminate sexual misconduct and gender-based violence in the military and support survivors. We've talked about that. That's a problem. Another. Yeah, and it's another objectively good thing that they're yeah, funding. Yeah, because but I think like... we proved in episode 50 that we need a big military. Um, and... All right, all right, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was mean. I, I was incredibly that. hungover in the lead-up to that debate. Sorry? <laughs> I was hungover in my debate prep. It was, it was not a fair fight. Um, contract was signed under duress. All right. What else, what else can I throw in here to invalidate the result? Uh, stop the count. Oh, well, um, hey, the judge Venezuela, was my debate I think, partner. was involved. Yeah, Venezuela was involved, mm. I think. I'm just going to become the Mike Lindell of debate. <laughs> like, I think I'm just going to go around to debate Hello, everybody. and just say, like, <laughs> I mean, he rocks. So, um, so funny. We are almost out of time for today, so I think we're just going to quickly move on to our last thing, which is something that I saw today, which you might find interesting which was supposedly an attack on an Israeli nuclear facility. Oh, boy. Uh, Juno is I mean, monitoring guess, an ongoing situation here. Nice, nice. Um, so, I think we talked about this. Uh, Israel admitted to um, attacking an Iranian nuclear facility uh, a few weeks ago. They had paid someone off on the inside to essentially insert a computer virus into the system who then fled the country. Um... So it's quite possible that there's been some retaliation. I actually don't think that's the case. I'm going to get into that into a second. So uh, what have we seen? Well, I have seen several videos of an explosion outside of a nuclear reactor in Jerusalem. Uh, there are some mixed reports saying it happened right at it or that it happened about 30 kilometers away. Assuming if it happened about 30 kilometers away, 
then it means it was a ballistic missile attack or, a, uh, well, a ballistic missile attack um, that missed or was supposed to go somewhere else or was a misfire or whatever. If it actually hit, well, then that means it was targeted, um, which is quite something. So uh, if you watch the video, you will see uh, a few things, and I'll tell you what to look for. So uh, there's a double flash and a large vertical fireball. Uh, I've seen all sorts of these videos, so I'm just going to tell you what this means. So a double flash uh, means that you're getting the explosion and then you're getting a shockwave, which means that it's a very large explosive. Usually, this suggests a nuclear bomb. Obviously, this was not a nuclear bomb because we would know if it was. Yeah. Um, and, and second of all, like it, it wasn't big enough or bright enough in those videos, and we would know. We would hear it right now. Also, no Islamist group or a group armed by Iran, even if Iran managed to have a secret nuclear weapon who sent it to some Islamist group in Syria or the Syrian government, is going to nuke Jerusalem. Like, that's just not happening. Because it's a holy city. Um, but it does mean the other possibility is just incredibly heavy ordnance. Uh, a large non-nuclear ballistic missile, a van bomb, something like that, right? Um... Israel is claiming that it was a stray surface-to-air missile that was launched at one of their planes, went off course, and hit Jerusalem. This is a lie. They are lying to you. Um, because ballistic missiles, or sorry, surface-to-air missiles do not carry much. I don't know how much you know about this, Declan. They don't actually carry much explosive. They just have shape charge and a bunch of shrapnel, because... Yeah, yeah. Well, surface-to-air, yeah. Like, a surface-to-air missile, like, air-to-air missiles, like... You don't need much to shoot down or a, a missile. You need hardly anything. You need you need you need a proximity fuse and just enough shrapnel to mess with the control surfaces of the plane so that it enters a spin and the pilot has to. Or if it's it. a missile to mess up some of its computers or blow up its ordnance. Right. Right. Because or even if it's really precise and a, a modern new one, just hitting it is enough. Right. Yeah. Um Well, that's that's it, it's funny because the the Russians designed. Uh, an air-to-air like radar-guided missile that can go something stupid like Mach six, yeah. and they still put explosive filler in it. <laughs> like, what are you trying <laughs> to shoot down? A, a giant me- like a giant metal rod. Well, I think it was intended for bomber interception. Mm. You just want to make sure. So you do you do actually want like the big fuck off explosive yeah. as lo- as well as the big fuck off metal yeah. rod? But yeah, like you don't need a lot to shoot down a plane. So. There's no, there's no chance in hell that a surface-to-air missile shot, like, caused that big of an explosion. Yeah, especially, there's like, a no fireball way. that went up at least 100 meters in the air. No way. So, um, and also because it's a shaped charge, usually, in a surface-to-air missile. Um, if it hit nose down, which it would because of the aerodynamics, you would get the explosion going into the ground. So you would see a big, mm-hmm. a lot of dust. Well, it would be, yeah, it would be, like, it'd be like a, a shape charge. Yeah, shot. so you would like, see a oh. lot of dust. You would see no flash and no double flash and no fireball. Because it's meant to just create, it's meant to hit metal and melt the metal so that it creates like a jet. Well, that's that, that's your shape charge. A and jet your of tank metal. Shell, that's yeah. what you're supposed to do. Um, so the Israeli explanation that it was a surface-to-air missile is a lie, unless I am really just missing something, which I am not. Um, it's much more likely that it was a non-nuclear ballistic missile fired from Syria. So um, Israel has claimed that, yeah, it was a surface-to-air missile launched by a Syrian battery, which they have engaged and destroyed. We know for a fact that they have engaged uh, Syrian ground forces, uh, because I was reading reports that 
Syrian anti-air defenses were, were engaging with Israeli fighters. I have no idea. No one has any idea who won that engagement. Um, but, you know, either way, this is a huge L for Israel. Um, because either their Iron Dome missile system could not stop a ballistic missile, like crude one, with no, you know, countermeasures. Or, even worse, their Iron Dome anti-missile system could not stop a crude radar surface-to-air missile from the 1970s, just, like, flying off course. With no countermeasures. Um, and if they couldn't do this, imagine the, like, really advanced ballistic missiles that Iran might fire at them and what happened. I mean, every, every science, like, near-future science fiction, like, I know World War Z predicted that it would be India and Pakistan that would fire their nukes first. It probably will But be. I honestly think, yeah, it probably will be, but, like, Iran and Israel. Actually, yeah, think about it. So, I think we talked about the Israeli strategy a little bit ago, where it was, like, you basically yeah, the, get Iran the to the point where protocol. they're about to develop nuclear weapons, so you get the justification to just go bomb the shit out of them, which is a really risky strategy, because if Iran, in that period, manages to finish the nuclear weapon, you're done. Because if Israel starts, you know, trying to... I mean, I, I don't think they actually could. Like, the Israeli planes are better than Iranian planes, but it's a long distance to fly. It's easier to defend mm-hmm. um, Iran. And Israel will have to contend with, if they go to war with Iran... Um, attacks from Hamas, who relies on Iran for survival, Syria, which relies on Iran for survival, all sorts of Kurdish groups in, in Syria, which rely on Iran for survival, all sorts of Islamist groups in, and, and moderate groups in Iraq, which rely on Iran for survival. Um, with <clears throat> So, like, it, it's... There's a lot. Um, and, and... Like, basically what I'm saying is... If Israel, which I don't think they would, somehow manages to actually win the air war and and even a ground war against Iran, um, and manages to start, you know, flattening Tehran, uh, Iran would probably consider using nuclear weapons against Israel. It's sort of like that tweet... As long as they have one. ...that uh, the U.S. government made the other day, where it's like, well, we need to consider that some of our adversaries, if we engage them in combat situations, might see use of nuclear weapons as their least bad option which was an absolutely terrifying tweet to read because I had no idea whether it mean, meant, okay, Russia is willing to use nukes if we engage them in Ukraine, so we had better not engage them in Ukraine, or Russia is willing to use nukes if we engage them in Ukraine, so we are ready to use nukes if we engage Russia in Ukraine. Like, I had absolutely no idea and still don't. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Iran and Israel are going to go to war in the next two years. That that rocks. I'm so and Iran excited. is going to win. Uh, no comment. But also, like, I don't know. It it's nice that we get another that our generation gets a forever war yeah. too. I also think that we're that Canada is inevitably going to be suckered yeah. into. Honestly, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know uh, how willing a bunch of Canadians would be to get into another Middle East war. Uh, like we did. We, we did avoid uh, Iraq surprised. after we went into Afghanistan. You know. But I, I, I think, yeah. um, just to address the India-Pakistan thing, I think that India is completely floated by the existence of America, and as America declines in world power, and Pakistan is this, like, very well-established Chinese ally, India is either going to go absolutely psychotic, or they're going to have to give up. So I think that, uh, a quote-unquote minor nuclear war with, uh, Pakistan is either going to, uh, not happen at all, or India will be in a quote-unquote minor nuclear war with Pakistan and uh, maybe even China. 
That's horrifying. that's so great to think about. Yeah. Um, kind of funny. Of all the co- nuclear armed countries in the world, the one country who was l- l- one of the least likely to use the nuclear weapons, North Korea. After all that fuss, so that's it. I'm out of content. I think you're out of content. I think we both are, We've hit yeah. one hour, ten minutes, so I think we are going to finish this one up. Uh, yep. We will be back next week. Uh, and until then, I've been Malcolm. I've been Declan. Nice being your Juno. Thank you so much.